You're listening to the Her Leadership Coach Podcast for the quietly determined career woman who's looking to step up into her first or next level leadership role. If you're looking to make a bigger, more positive difference in your organization, you've come to the right place. Well, hello, welcome in. It's Rochelle. On today's episode of Her Leadership Coach, we're going to be diving into a topic that so many of us struggle with, although we may not know it. Yes, we're going to explore the phenomenon known as tightrope bias, which is a subtle yet rather extensive force that affects the lives and careers of women every day. In today's episode, we'll explore how we can better understand, navigate, and ultimately overcome the challenges posed by tightrope bias. If you've ever felt the tension between being nice and being assertive, or if you've struggled with how others perceive your leadership style, then this episode is for you. Now, you may not be familiar with the term, but chances are you've experienced it. And when I started researching this, I had not heard of it put this way, but I had heard of it uh, as it is often referred to as the double bind. Tightrope bias is one that many women encounter, especially those in leadership roles or working their way up in leadership into leadership roles. In fact, there are interviews that were conducted for the book, What Works for Women at Work, uh, which is one of my favorite books at the moment, and that's by Joan Williams and Rachel Dempsey. And through their interviews, they found 73% of women reported tightrope problems, um, with more women of color reporting it than white women. It creates this environment where you can feel like you're constantly walking a thin line, a tightrope, if you will. And that can be exhausting. So at its core, it refers to this narrow range of acceptable behaviors for women in the workplace. So if you lean too far into what society deems feminine traits, such as empathy or nurturing, then you risk being seen as weak, incompetent, or simply incapable of leading others. However, if you embrace more masculine traits like assertiveness or decisiveness, you may be seen as capable of leadership. However, you're also likely to be labeled as aggressive or unlikable. Yeah, fun times. Um, So it shows up in the workplace in quite subtle ways. And you may find yourself second guessing your communication style, wondering if you're coming across too strong or too soft. I know there have been many times where I have looked at an email and wondered if I should rewrite it from both angles, right? From oh, I feel like this is too soft, I'm not coming enough along, I'm not coming through strong enough here, or I feel like this is too harsh, I need to add some softeners. <laughs> so it's like you're trying to get this tone just right, and it's this tiny bit in the middle that serves us just right. You might notice colleagues responding differently to you than they do to the men in your team, even if you are exhibiting similar behaviors as the men in your team. Now, the implications of tightrope bias are serious. Not only does it affect how you're perceived and treated by colleagues and supervisors, but it can also hurt your career progression. 
And working through this bias, it feels like you do need to make these constant adjustments, like you're continually checking in with how you are presenting yourself. Uh, If, you know, am I speaking up too much? Am I not speaking up enough? Am I saying sorry too much? Am I not saying sorry enough? And that's a lot of extra work that men just don't have to do. They don't think about that stuff. They just do it. So it's especially important for us as women to understand this bias, um, particularly if we're looking to get to leadership roles or if we're in a leadership role and we're looking to have a bigger impact, right? By recognizing the bias and the influence that it can have on us, that helps us start to address it, both within ourselves and within our organizations, which, you know, I believe is a really important thing to be doing. Now, I have a small story uh, from my own career that illustrates part of the struggle. I had a guy on my team who just wasn't pulling his weight and he was sort of like really cautious. He didn't like making decisions at all. And if he did, he avoided taking responsibility for them and kind of placed them on other people as if they had made the decisions, not him. And he went to great lengths, in fact, to get other people to make the decisions, um, meaning that it didn't just slow his work down, it affected the entire team because he would spend all of this time talking things out, as he called it, with colleagues, which would really frustrate them and hinder their progress. And then he was able to label them as the decision maker and again, avoid taking responsibility for the decisions. So clearly I needed to address the situation because it was becoming frustrating for the whole team and slowing us down. And uh, we had deadlines to meet for this project we were running. And leading up to the conversation, I felt this pull between being nice and being more blunt because I felt like as as a guy, as a male in my team, He might need someone to be blunt to him, right? Because, you know, I've seen other male leaders do that, um, particularly with other male members of the team. And then there's my general sort of niceness coming in and going, but I don't want to, if I'm blunt, I'll feel like I'm being mean. I feel like I'm yelling or whatever. And it was a dilemma that seemed to just, you know, dance on that tightrope between compassion and assertiveness. I'll come back to this story in a minute. Now, this example isn't unique, right? Tightrope bias affects many women, especially when we're leading men who may be perceived as more aggressive or assertive. Um, It can really elevate this feeling of a tightrope bias. We We feel this pressure to match their tone, their volume, or their approach. And that can lead to a struggle between these expectations society has and and we've often internalized of feminine niceness and the masculine thought of version of leadership. Now this bias isn't merely stories or something that we've made up right it is a scientifically observed phenomenon with real impacts on women's careers. Uh, In that book What Works for Women at Work uh, there is a study that they talk about where A professor at Stanford Business School 
gave one class a resume uh, by Heidi Rosen, Heidi, Heidi Rosen, Heidi Rosen's resume, and another class got Howard Rosen's resume. And of course, both resumes were exactly the same apart from the name at the top and any gender, you know, differences that needed to be changed. And while the two classes judged the resumes as equally competent and accomplished, Heidi was judged to be more selfish than Howard and therefore less hireable. How frustrating is that? Uh, and there's much more research like this with the same outcome. So it's not just a figment of our imagination. Now, I also want to, in this episode, highlight how shaky and uncertain the whole idea of gender stereotypes really is. And you'll hear a lot that I say, you know, stereotypical feminine traits and stereotypical male traits, masculine traits, because they're not actually real. They don't apply across the board even now. And in fact... There is a book by a lady called Angela Saini, and it's called Inferior. And in that book, she explains how gender roles that are often believed to be biological, and that's the science that I grew up hearing, they are actually far more influenced by social and cultural factors than we once thought. Now, there's a really compelling example that, that Angela uncovers in her research surrounding the hunter-gatherer hypothesis. You've probably heard of this, right? We grew up knowing that men were hunters and men were hunters and women were gatherers. And that meant that we had these certain traits that women were more um, prone to community and nurturing and staying home with the babies. And men were more prone to competition and, um, you know, fighting and uh, bringing home the bacon, so to speak. However, Saini uncovers research from anthropologists who studied modern hunter-gatherer societies and found these stereotypes just don't hold water. Women and men's roles are far more fluid and interdependent than the simple hunter-gatherer division suggested. In some communities, in fact, even now, women hunt and men gather. And their roles are not strictly delineated by gender. So some communities have, you know, both women and men hunting and both women and men gathering. So Annie also presents evidence that challenges the notion that testosterone, which is often dubbed the male hormone, uh, which automatically is said to make men more aggressive, right? Recent studies show that the relationship between hormones and behavior is far more complex than what was first hypothesized and definitely not all that straightforward. And so just because men have testosterone, that in fact does not cause more aggression, which was fascinating to me because, again, something that I've always believed in and just thought the science shows that. So by drawing attention to these findings, Saini shows us how gender roles and the expectations that create the tightrope bias are in fact social and cultural concepts and not biological facts. And recognizing this allows us to challenge and change the stereotypes and allows us to move towards a more nuanced understanding of both gender and leadership, of 
communication styles of professional success, not as feminine or masculine, but as traits that work and traits that don't work, right? And I think this shift, when it comes, will be a really good thing, not only for women, but for men, for organizations, for non-binary people, because it turns out people leading using a mix of stereotypical gender traits are doing far better than those sticking to the, dare I say it, overused masculine ones. Okay, so let's dig a bit deeper into how tightrope bias specifically impacts women, uh, both in leadership roles and moving into leadership roles. Now, if you think about leaders such as Jacinda Ardern, who is a previous Prime Minister of New Zealand, and if you don't know her, you need to look her up, she has been described as nurturing, as mothering, and as soft, right? Uh, Indra Nuri, who is the former CEO of PepsiCo, she has been called too soft or gentle. And then there's Mary Barra, who she was the CEO of General Motors, and she was described as too caring and overly collaborative. Now, obviously, these qualities are associated with more feminine leadership styles, and yet, how often were these words used to belittle them, bring them down from their powerful positions as if these traits were somehow less valuable or serious? And yet, boy, were they successful as leaders. On the other hand, consider leaders with more assertive styles. So you've got women like Angela Merkel, uh, who's been called ambitious or calculating, Sheryl Sandberg or Hillary Clinton, they have been labeled as unemotional and cold. It's intriguing, isn't it? Their strength and determination are acknowledged, but often with this negative twist, right? So they're seen as leaders, but these terms that are given to them apply, imply a lack of warmth or authenticity, almost like they're trying to be men, and that makes them unlikable. So again, even though they have those masculine styles, and even though the media is labeling them in a negative light, they are still amazing leaders. So we really can't win. Now, what's the psychological impact of this? Well, it can create this constant tension and self-doubt and that can lead women to question their leadership style continually again those thoughts of am I soft enough am I too soft am I assertive or am I bossy <laughs> uh, all of these thoughts can go through our heads quite often it can also hinder career progression as the outcome in the Howard versus Heidi re resume showed, right? While your competence may not be questioned, your perceived personality might, and that might block you from getting that next promotion. And you can also find that mentors and managers have this hesitation to provide women with stereotypical feminine traits, constructive feedback, worrying that they're going to appear too harsh. Uh, that women aren't going to be able to take it. I'm sure some of them are, are scared that we're all going to break down in tears. Or conversely, they might provide overly critical feedback to women who are perceived as too strong. 
So they're overemphasizing something that they perceive as wrong with them, um, even though it may not be. And of course, specific constructive feedback is in fact a gift that we can grow from as leaders. So missing out on it given to us in a fair, constructive way will again impact our career progression. So understanding the impact of tightrope bias on our careers and our leadership opportunities brings us to this essential question. What can organizations do to lessen this bias and bring us a more equitable and inclusive environment? It's not enough just to acknowledge the issue. We have to work actively towards a solution. So there's a couple of ways I'm going to dive into here that if you are influential at all in your organization, I encourage you to take a look at. And the first is we really need to start celebrating and embracing diverse leadership traits. Our organizations have to start to see that leadership comes in various forms and both feminine and masculine traits contribute to effective leadership. But more than that, they need to create opportunities to highlight and celebrate leaders who embody both feminine and masculine qualities. And no, not just the men. We can't can't just celebrate men who show empathy. We have to celebrate women who show assertiveness and decisiveness and all of the masculine qualities as well. So we can do that through organizing panel discussions about this very topic, right? Bring it to light and celebrate people within the panel. We can use articles and internal communications, or we can run workshops with, uh, you know, up and coming leaders or mixing leaders, uh, up and coming leaders with senior leaders who embody both feminine and masculine qualities. We need to intentionally recognize that collaboration, empathy, emotional intelligence are as crucial, if not more so at times, as decisiveness, assertiveness and risk taking. And doing that allows us to begin to pull apart this double bind. And I might add, in the process, we'll have more well-rounded, effective, profitable organizations. Women and men can lead authentically and effectively without being confined to gender expectations. Which brings me to the second strategy uh, that I'd love to see organizations take hold of, and that is to really foster authenticity and leadership and cultivate a culture that allows leaders to be genuine and embrace the unique blend of feminine and masculine traits. Now, Let's be clear first, this isn't a green light to excuse bullying and label it as authenticity. Bullying is not authentic at all. In fact, it normally stems from a place of fear and it is a mask that someone is wearing. So it's the opposite of authenticity. If we go back to the story I shared earlier about my male uh, team person um, who wasn't performing up to standard, What worked for me at that time was in my head, reframing the discussion from a choice of whether I should be nice or be assertive or be blunt to instead being kind. So I first assumed good intent on his part or in the Her Leadership Way manifesto wording, I gave him grace. 
right? I assumed he was there wanting to do a good job. I then focused on helping him understand the impact of his approach. I practiced what Kim Scott calls radical candor, which is balancing genuine care for him and his career, which I had, with clear, honest, specific feedback about his behaviors. In other words, I was able to practice both compassion and assertiveness, the stereotypical feminine and masculine traits. Now, while we can and must change our organizations, it's also clear they are not there yet. So in the meantime, yes, we need to find ways to navigate tightrope bias and take control of our own leadership journey. And there are many tactics and strategies that have been proposed to at least broaden the width of the tightrope. And a lot with research that backs them up to being effective, right? And yet, as I was reading through the many ways and, and much research, I honestly was left feeling exhausted before I'd even started putting them into practice. So rather than tell you how to ensure you are not too much of this or you're too little of this, then I want to give you two approaches, both with broader repercussions than this one bias. The first is to shift our thinking in relation to other women. Because the thing is, we bring this bias into corporate too, right? We're almost as likely to call a woman a bitch if she's too assertive as we are to think she's incompetent if she's too sweet. So I invite you to practice one of the mindset shifts from the Her Leadership Way Manifesto. And that is moving from judgment to empathy. Catch yourself when these thoughts arise. See them for what they are and reframe them. Now, I'm not saying reframe any extremes. Bullying is bullying, regardless of who's doing it. But if you're calling a woman names because she is driven, or ambitious, or doesn't ask how your day went, or is competitive, and you're not using the same names for men behaving in exactly the same way, then recognize those thoughts as a tightrope bias at work. And alternatively, if you're calling a woman nice, but incompetent, or she just doesn't have what it takes, hear those thoughts as well. Encourage others to do the same if you hear them voicing those kind of things out loud, men and women. You can always tell them to listen to this episode so they understand a little bit more about what might really be going on when they're saying those kind of things. Now, the second thing I invite you to do is to do the work to become a leader from the inside out. The more you embrace the Her Leadership Way manifesto principles and mindset shifts, the more you realize you really are good enough. The more you sit in curiosity, asking powerful questions, the more you take 100% responsibility for your life, and the more you give grace to yourself and others, the less you will worry about the tightrope. Because the tightrope itself will broaden as you show up with this deep, unshakable belief in who you are and what you bring to the table. And that's what becoming a leader from the inside out gives you. So rather than treading this precarious path across a tightrope, you'll be walking with purpose along a stable bridge. One that can support not just you, 
but others around you. When you start to lead from a place of self-awareness, of empathy, of empowered action, you're not confined to balancing between extremes. You're free to be yourself fully and authentically. Now, will this stop tightrope bias completely? Look, I genuinely wish I could say yes, but I can't. We are humans. We work to stereotypes, but it will absolutely facilitate your career progression while leaving you feeling less exhausted as you're navigating between those two extremes. After all, if you look at Jacinda Ardern and Margaret Thatcher, they still got to the top of the ladder despite the tightrope. Thanks for joining me this week. If you want to continue the conversation about tightropes or being a leader from the inside out, come and join us in the Women in Leadership Facebook group. You will find the link to join in the show notes along with the link to the Her Leadership Way manifesto if you don't have your own printable copy of that yet. I also want to let you know some of this podcast was created with the assistance of artificial intelligence. The ideas, examples, and language are all still mine. However, I do occasionally get help with editing the audio, writing my show notes, and the occasional save from writer's block. That all saves me time, which is very valuable for me as a busy entrepreneur and career woman. As a leader or aspiring leader, this is an area you should also be experimenting with as this is going to revolutionize the way we work. If you got value out of this episode, I would love it if you could share it with others so they can get value too. And of course, if you've been listening to podcasts for any amount of time, you will know that rating the show and leaving a review helps others find the show. And I would really appreciate it. Until next week, continue to lead the way her way.